0: Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We are in a series called Beatitudes. I wanna talk to you from Matthew chapter five and verse four today. It says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, the term blessed here, just a couple things as we talk about the Beatitudes. There's a couple things, a couple that you, I would love for you to know that I've shared last week, kind of starting the message, I wanna share again this week. This word blessed oftentimes is translated not as rich. OK, we as a culture, as a society, we hashtag blessed everything. Come on, somebody. You get a new car, you hashtag blessed. You know what I'm saying? You get a new dress, you hashtag blessed. Gentlemen, you get a new, you get a new hairdo, hashtag blessed. Come on, you get your fade right, hashtag blessed. Come on, somebody. And so when we're talking about blessed here, really it's translated oftentimes not as, the, as rich as we would think in our culture, but really as in happy. And not happy like you and I think where it's circumstantial happiness, meaning if you have a good meal, you're happy. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're hangry. You get some food. You're smiling from ear to ear. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. If, if, your, if your spouse is in the room, you definitely know what we're talking about because your spouse be hangry and you feed them. Next thing you know, they smile they're kissing you. they loving you. Come on, somebody. We're not talking about circumstantial happiness. Really, this term, this word in the Greek, really blessed, really means or translated into this internal joy. Not this outward circumstantial happiness so something that happens to me outwardly makes me happy. If that's the case, then if something bad happens to me, now I'm not happy. That's not what he's talking about when he talks about blessed throughout this entire series of the sermon. He's talking about blessed, meaning I have this internal joy that is in me no matter what goes on around me. Make sense? And so we're talking about blessed. Also, another thing about it is every one of them, as you see in this one, it says, for they will be Every one of the, the the beatitudes, all eight of them, ends with "they will" or "for theirs will." It's all about this opportunity for us to be able to obtain what it is he's talking about. He's not just saying you can you can hope to get these things. No, he's saying, "Listen, you are blessed. You you have this internal joy for those who mourn, for they will, they will receive, they will obtain, and be comforted." Make sense? Make sense? And so this is what we're talking about today. So when we're talking about blessed, we're, talking, we're not talking about rich. We're talking about this internal joy. And then for they will, meaning that we can receive this, this or obtain this comfort. Now, this is an interesting com- concept and an interesting message that Jesus is preaching. Because he says, blessed are those who mourn. Joy is c- or comes or has, someone has joy for someone who mourns. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. If you really think about it, it's really an oxymoron. He says there's joy for those who are sad. Kind of strange. Okay, what's happening here? Well, we want to break that down, talk a little bit about that. But oftentimes, and again, we we, we see that he says joy comes to those, those who mourn because they will be comforted. So even when we mourn, we know there's this joy because we know we serve a God who will comfort us. Does that make sense? And so I want to break that down to you today. I want to talk to you a few things that I see from James chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy. Consider it in this internal joy, this happiness. Brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials or many trials. Now... I'm gonna be honest with you, I would say 99.9% of Christians in our world today struggle with James chapter one, verse two. Come on, somebody. We are not walking out the James chapter one, verse two very well, you know what I'm saying? We're walking out the, you know, by his stripes we're healed, you know what I'm saying? We're believing in our healing. We'll walk out, you know, that that we believe in him and he through him we can do all things. And so we're working out, we're like, oh yeah, I can do all things through Christ. Put that extra five pounds on there, you know what I'm saying? And so we'll walk out that one real well as Christians, but oftentimes, James chapter 1, verse 2, as Christians, we struggle with that. That we would consider it pure joy when we walk through many trials, not just one trial. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about this, and that really, where we see this is this what I want to tell you today. Point number one is we have to understand bad days happen. Now, I hate to be the doom and gloom pastor. I feel like lately I've been the doom and gloom pastor, but it's okay. I feel like oftentimes we can be so encouraged with different things online and through things, people, that oftentimes we don't get a reality of what Christian life is like. Like Christian life does not mean just because we serve Jesus does not mean we're going to be floating on cloud now and all day. It doesn't mean we're not going to face hard times. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have bad days. It doesn't mean that you're not going to walk through something where you get to work and your boss yells at you. It doesn't mean that you know, you're going to get through an opportunity where a, an unexpected bill happens. Bad days happen to all of us. It could be something as simple and as, 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 as simplistic or as, uh, as natural as a boss yelling, but it could be something as tragic as losing a lost one. It could be something as tragic as having a miscarriage. It could be something uh, as simple as having a flat tire. There are all different things that happen throughout life where bad days happen. Well, here's what I know and what I've seen in the 37 years that I've lived on this planet. Bad days happen to non-Christians and bad days happen to Christians. I haven't seen it one way or the other. I haven't seen it because people aren't Christians. They have it and they're living it right and there's no bad days. I haven't seen people that are Christians that are just living the dream and literally every day is just a, a paradise. Now, people may say their life is perfect. Let me tell you something. Run from that person. Come on, somebody. Bad days happen. He says, consider it pure joy when you face many trials, meaning there will be bad days that we face. There will be things that we walk through that we do not like. But the great thing is for those that mourn, we understand we will be comforted because we know there is joy even in difficult days because we know we have the opportunity to experience God. See, as Christians, we have something different than what the world has. We have a Savior and a God who is close to us. And so now when we face hard times, when we face down days, when we mourn, we're not just mourning. Now we understand we can be comforted because we can experience God because he loves us and he cares for us. And we're his sons and we're his daughters. We have to understand bad days happen. Nobody likes a bad story. I've never been with someone to the movies and the, the storyline is terrible and they're like, this movie's awesome. <laughs> I've never been reading a book with someone or someone recommend a book to me like, hey, have you read anything good? And they're like, let me tell you something. I'm reading this book right now. And the story is absolutely terrible. You should read it. I've never met somebody that likes a bad story. And so what do we do? Naturally, it's just human nature. We like good stories. We like feel-good mo- stories and feel-good movies and feel-good books. We like, we like good stories. Now, here's the thing. We can oftentimes bring that into our lives. And the lie can be where, oh, i got to hide or i got to work through this struggle on my own because this is, a, this is a bad part of the story. And I don't want everybody else to know about this. And so now my bad day, see, bad days are, happen. But when bad days create or cause us to become isolated, that's when it can become a negative in our lives. It can cause us to become isolated. And here's what isolation does. Isolation can put us in a place of darkness in our own mind, our own soul. It can put us in a place where we start to mentally get to a place of darkness or in our soul It's a place of darkness. And so we have to be careful. Just because I have a bad day doesn't mean I can be stuck in my bad day. We all grieve. We all have gone through, many of us in this room or online, we've gone through major tragic moments in our lives. And it's okay to grieve. It's to, that's, that is, actually, I believe in grieving. I think it's part of our process of healing. But if we get stuck for years and years and years in the grieving process, there's this darkness that comes over us. There's a darkness that fills us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because we can't allow ourselves to become stuck. Why? Because we have to then, we can't just mourn. We have to give it to God. And as we give it to God, we can't just have bad days. We have to give our bad days to God. Why? Because then he is able to comfort us to allow us to continue to be who he's called us to be. Does that make sense? It's so important that we would understand this. That again, I can mourn my bad day, but I can't get stuck in my bad day. And I love this. The lie of this concept is that I'm the only one that has a bad day. The lie of this is nobody else understands. Nobody understands what I'm walking through. Nobody else understands the divorce that I walk through. Nobody understands losing a child. No one understands infertility. No one, and so the concept can be uh, nobody understands this, but I love this because he says, James says in chapter one and verse two, he says, consider it pure joys, my brothers and sisters. He leaves nobody out. He doesn't say, consider it pure joy, my brothers who are 18 years old. He doesn't say, consider pure joys, my sisters who are over 30. He says, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, everybody, everybody. Every single person, I want you to know, you will face many trials. And so we got to block out the lie that says, I'm by myself. I'm the only one who understands. I'm the only one that struggles. I'm the only one that walks through a bad day. No, that creates isolation, and then that can cause us to get into a dark place. God wants us to say, okay, just because we have a bad day doesn't mean we're the only ones having bad days, but we need to walk together, fighting together, praying for one another so that we can continue to see God move in our lives. Does that make sense? James chapter one and verse two and three, it says, consider a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The second thought I have is pain isn't always bad. Pain isn't always bad, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There is a pain that's bad. There's a pain that hits us where we we physically or emotionally get into something and something hurts. And this pain hits us and it gives us a warning sign, a flag, if you will, that tells us something's wrong. Something happened. If you're playing basketball, I've done it many times, you twist one of your ankles, your whole body goes into uh uh-oh mode when you twist your ankle. And your whole body tells you something is wrong. But that doesn't mean all pain is wrong. See, the lie is this that all pain is wrong. Here's what happens when we think that way, then we'll run from pain that's caused or God is trying to use to cause us to grow. There is a pain that, yes, is warning us that something's wrong, but there is also a good pain, and that is to, to show us that we're growing. You ever been working out with somebody? Fellas in the room, you work out, they stick out their chest, you know what I'm saying? I was just in the gym the other day, and you know, this one dude, he was on way too much pre workout, praise God, if you're in the room today, I love you, you had, you had too much pre workout, you know what I'm saying? But he was a yeller. He was, he was whoo, every time he hit a gym, whoo, I mean, he was just, whoo, every, I was like, dude, chill, you know what I'm saying? I hear you through the headphones, you're, whoo! He'd be pumping. He was going. But here's the thing. When you work out and you're you're pushing yourself that hard, well, here's what you want. You almost enjoy, actually you don't almost, they do. You enjoy the pain of being sore from working out. In fact, they'll work out, they'll change their routines just so that they can feel the soreness of working out. I'm like trying to do the same thing, lightweight, lightweight. So I don't have to feel any soreness. I just do it so I can eat junk food. <laughs> Praise God. Pray for your pastor. <laughs> I'm in there thinking of donuts. <laughs> it was, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all good. Blessed are those who eat donuts for they will inherit the kingdom of God. (laughs) I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Y'all got me thinking about donuts, praise God. (laughs) I got to chill. And so here's the thing, though. People will change their workouts. They'll change their opportunity because they want to feel the soreness. They want to feel the pain. Why? Because the pain is a sign of growth actual like for real physical trainers will tell you if you don't feel the soreness, if you don't feel the pain, they'll actually say you are not growing. It's the same thing spiritually. Oftentimes, we think pain automatically goes to the thought process of it's wrong, it's bad, it's harmful. means something's not right. And so we'll run, we'll hide, we'll try to cover, we'll try to move away from the pain when really God has maybe brought that or allowed that to happen to us because he wants us to grow through this situation. God may allow us to go through a relational pain because he wants you to grow relationally. Is okay? I know I'm the Debbie Downer pastor. Praise God. you got to love me anyway. We'll eat donuts and comfort each other. <laughs> because sometimes God's causing us to grow. And in our comfort, what can happen is we can become so comfortable with where we are, we'll never stretch ourselves. And by never being stretched, we'll never grow relationally. We'll never grow spiritually. We'll never go phys- phys- grow physically. And so here's what it is. That's why when you see marriages that have been married, they've been married for 30 and 40 years, and they just say, we just don't love each other anymore. Well, wait a minute. How is this possible? How have you been married for 40 years or 50 years, and now you're saying all of a sudden, you've, you just, I, just, I just don't love e-. why? you? Why? Because we stopped growing relationally with one another. And I'm not making fun of someone that said that. That's not what I'm doing. That's not my heart. What I'm trying to get us to do is know that we understand that sometimes pain is not always bad. The lie says that pain is always wrong. It means something's always wrong, and that is not true. In fact, I'll say this. I think sometimes pain could just be God not giving us what we want. Do you know that sometimes God doesn't give us what he he wants? Well, I thought God loved me. I thought I, was, I thought I was God's favorite. I thought, I, I thought God loved me more than anything else. He does. So if God loved me, then and when I pray and ask him for something, then he's going to give it to me. Why? Because he loves me. No. How do I know that's not true? Talk to any parent in the room or online. And ask them, do you love your child more than anything? Would you die for your child? Absolutely. Would you give your child everything they want? Not a chance. Why? Because sometimes love means no. See, some people in the room or online, you've been single for a while, and you're frustrated with God because you don't understand, and there's pain and there's insecurity in your life because you don't understand why God has not given you your spouse when it could be God is just trying to get you to the place where he's preparing you for something in the future, but you're stuck in your pain of thinking it's wrong, and so you're not growing and becoming who he's called you to be. Could it be that sometimes God doesn't answer us the way that we want because he knows better than us? Sometimes he just doesn't give us what we want. In fact, I'll say this. I think God's, God's goal for us is not happiness. I think God's ultimate goal, oh, I'm about to change it. People are like, What? I think God's ultimate goal for us is not happiness. I think God's ultimate goal for us is growth. And so he knows growth will bring the joy that we talk about. But we are so caught up in circu- circumstantial happiness that we miss the growth because we're running from the pain. Does that make sense? And so God's going, does that mean God doesn't want me to be happy? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is our concept of what we think happy is, is completely off. It's just like a child. I'll say this. I think, in fact, it's immature for us to think that we're trying to chase happiness all the time. And that's what God wants. That's like a child, a baby, our child. She's literally all day, she's chasing just feeling good. She wants to eat, she eats. She wants to sleep, she sleeps. She don't want to sleep, she don't sleep. Trust me, she don't sleep. You know what I'm saying? But it's a sign of immaturity. She's young. And oftentimes as believers, we'll chase what we want so much. And we want this happiness. And we think that if we don't get it, now we're not happy. And we don't understand why. It's because God is saying no. Why? Because he wants something in us to grow. Sometimes his no is to get us to grow. That's a bar for you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm a rapper at heart. Hashtag. <laughs> Y'all got to stop. Pain pain isn't always bad. And we have to understand this. And I would challenge you with this. Now I'm, uh, you're saying, well, I lost a child. Does that mean God wanted me to lose a child? That's not what I'm saying. Hear my heart today. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is some of the pain sometimes that we allow ourselves to walk through or that we do walk through is because we don't get what we want the way that we want it. And because we're so self-consumed, it creates insecurities and pains in our hearts. And we're so we're frustrated with God. And really that pain is trying to get is God showing us a sign of saying, I want you to grow in this area of your life. Does that make sense? I'm not saying if you, because somebody's gonna come to me next week and be like, oh, you said if somebody lost it. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, that sometimes pain isn't always bad. Make sense? Let's continue on. James chapter one and verse four, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Bad days happen, pain isn't always bad, and then we have to understand our way isn't always best. Our way isn't always best. He says, let perseverance finish its work. Let, meaning, go back to it for me. He says, let perseverance finish. Let perseverance, meaning you have to let perseverance, meaning we don't want to let perseverance do it. You got to let them do it. You got to let perseverance finish its work. There's this concept of sometimes we want to just do it ourselves. We want to do it our way. When we know the scripture says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Here's what oftentimes happens. We go through a, a tragic moment or a season in our lives where we're mourning, and we start to try to figure out in our brains why. It's happened to me. When I was a youth pastor many years ago now, as a youth pastor, a, child, a student in our youth group. He was 15 years old. He ended up passing away at 15 years old, and his parents and all his friends, they're coming to me for asking me why and asking me why, and I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know why. I told them that. I said, I'm not here to give you the answers. I have no idea. I'm just as heartbroken as you are. This doesn't make sense. But here's what we do know. We do know that if we put it in our own understanding and we put our trust in in our own hope and in our own hands and our own mental capacity, then we'll never truly be able to trust God because he goes beyond our understanding. That's why Proverbs chapter 3 verse five, 5 says lean not on your own understanding. It says trust the Lord but lean not on your own understanding. Meaning there's this concept of this there's this faith that comes beyond my understanding and I had to trust him even when it hurts. Even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you're walking through a trial or trouble and you don't, let perseverance continue to work. Focus more on what God is doing in me, not what's happening to me. This is what we do. Human nature wants to focus on what's happened to us. No, God, what are you trying to do in me? Because in every situation, good and bad, as tragic, tragic as it could possibly be, God is still trying to turn it around for the good to work in me to help me to become a better human on this planet. We oftentimes will get to the concept where we think, well, we know best and we gotta figure it out. And we'll get to the end of our understanding, and we'll be frustrated. And then we're caught, we're stuck in this grieving process. And this is where the darkness overtakes us. And then we're never to be able to, we're never able to be comforted because we're so caught up and thinking we know to understand, we need to understand why, we want to understand why, and it can cause us to get to a place where again, darkness is in our soul. Second Corinthians chapter two and verse one excuse me, verse eight, not verse one, chapter one. It says, we are under great pressure for beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of our life itself. So that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again on him. We have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Scripture says that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How? How does he turn mourning to comfort? I see right here in this scripture three quick things that I want to talk about as I close today, but it says for this, this, in verse nine, for this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This happened that we may not rely on ourselves, that we would take our understanding off of ourselves and we would put our reliance, our dependence on him. How does God turn mourning to comfort? He does this, and I remind myself of this, and you should remind yourself of this when you walk through a bad day, no matter how big or small that day is. One, we remember God is near me. God is near me. I love the scripture in Psalms chapter 34 and verse 18. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Do you know the scripture doesn't say the Lord is close to the sick? You know the, the scripture doesn't say the Lord is close to believers? You know the scripture doesn't say the Lord is close to the addict. The Bible says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Now you're saying that you're saying that God's not close to Christians? That's not what I'm saying. Are you saying God's not close to the addict? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying the Bible specifically speaks and says the brokenhearted. Why? Because it shows us there's this uh, another level of experience with God that you only receive with a broken heart. How do I know this? Talk to anybody that's truly walked through a broken heart. And oftentimes in our culture, our society, we think broken heart means you had a bad relationship and your heart got broken. That can be the case, but I'm talking about tragic in your life. I'm talking about where you lost a child. I'm talking about you lost a parent. You lost a family member. I'm talking about something that's tragically caused you to heart to be completely broken. Talk to that person, and if they're a believer, talk to them, and they will tell you things like God is the only one that got me through this. They will tell you things like even the world will say things. It's crazy. I'll talk to people as a pastor, and I'm like, oh, man, I've been praying for you. And they'll say, yeah, I've been feeling the prayers, Well, strange, you don't even know God. What do you mean you've been feeling the prayers? Why? Because the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Why? Because he desires to be close. He he desires to be near. Why? Because here's what we know. You can't rely on someone who is far from you. If I need somebody in five minutes from now, I can't rely on somebody in California. I need somebody here. Here. Right near, close, right with me, close to me. And this is what God does. How does he turn morning to dancing? Um, and more, yeah, but dancing too. Morning and to comfort. He comforts us because he's near us. When you walk through a bad day in your life, when you walk through something tragic in your heart, let me encourage you: God is near to the brokenhearted. He, he's close to us. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. It says, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. And he will continue to deliver us. He has delivered us. Taking moments and remembering, God, you got me through before. I had a bad day in 2005 or in 2008 or 2010. God, I had a bad, God, I had a rough time. There was a tragic moment in my life then. God, you got me through then. You delivered me then. I know you'll continue to deliver me. How does he turn mourning into comfort? Because we know and we trust and it's different than the world. The Bible says that we grieve different than the world does. Why? Because we know we serve a God who will deliver us. We serve a God who will deliver us. Remind yourself of this in in Revelation chapter 21 and verse three. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Revelation here in this scripture, God is giving us a picture of what heaven will look like. He says, there'll be no more death. There will be no more mourning. He says, there'll be no more pain or crying. For the old way or the old order of things has passed away. Here's how we can be comforted when we're walking through a tragedy or something in our lives. This is what I stand on in my life. God will deliver me. He has delivered me, he will deliver me and he will continue to deliver me even if I don't see it on this side of heaven. We may not get and see the answers that we want on this side of heaven but I promise you this, the pain that we walk through in this moment, we will not carry on with us we will leave it in the grave, and we will come up, and we will be in heaven. And let me tell you something. We will have new heavenly bodies, and there will be no pain. Come on, fellas, with the back pain. Come on, somebody. You're trying to get up weird. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, God, help me. Deliver me. He might, it might be when you get to heaven, but let me tell you something. You're going to be looking at your wife like, yep, I'm good. My back's healed. Let's go. <laughs> Not in that way, you weirdos. Y'all took it wrong. <laughs> Y'all took it wrong. That was weird. Okay. He will deliver me. Oftentimes, we expect answers from God. We, oh, I'll say it this way. Oftentimes, we think deliverance from God means immediate. He will deliver me. He has delivered me. He will continue to deliver me. Continue means I'm in the process of being delivered. That process may be when we get to heaven. And let me tell you something, as Christians, as believers, as humans, that's got to be okay. That's got to be okay in our hearts where we get to the place where we say, God, we love you so much that we trust that your ways are better than ours. And so, God, I'm not going to mourn over this. I'm going to allow you to, be, uh, to comfort me. Why? Because I'd stand and know you delivered me. You have. You will, you will continue to do. I don't know what it is that you're walking through in your life, maybe it's a sickness in your body. Maybe it's something mentally in your life. Maybe it's something emotionally in your heart. Yes, I believe God wants us to walk in freedom, but there are some things that we will not get answers to to on this side of heaven. And I'm telling you this, we are going to a place for those that call themselves believers, those that have confessed their sins to the Lord and have, 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 have given their lives to God. Those of us that have done that, let me tell you something, we're going to a place where there is no pain. There is no tears, there's no mourning. Let me tell you something, there is no tragedy. Oh my goodness, I can't wait for the day when I hear the horns of Jesus and we hear the trumpet sound. And let me tell you something, whether we're raptured or whether we die and we get there, let me tell you something, we are going to a paradise that is without any of the things that we struggle with here. It's a place of perfection. But we have to be a people now that say God, we don't want to just live with you in eternity. God, we want to trust you now. You have delivered me. You will deliver me. And you will continue to deliver me. Why? Cuz I know your nature. I know your character. And I know God even when I don't understand it, even when I see someone young that's passed away, God, I know your character and your nature is still good. You will always be good. You know nothing outside of goodness. You know no hate. You know no violence. You know no sorrows. God, you are always good. And so, God, I know that my life in your hands, I know you have delivered me. I know you will deliver me. And I know you will continue to deliver me. And so in that, God, I'm comforted. There's this, okay. I can trust you I love this in 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 as I close today in verse 11 chapter 1 excuse me verse 11 it says as you help us by your prayers then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us and to a- and a- us an answer to the prayers of many how does God turn mourning to comfort he's near to us he delivers us but then also he brings relationships to us it says as you helped us by your prayers do you know some of the greatest deepest relational bonds happen through mourning in times of mourning some of the greatest bonds relationally happen the enemy tries to use mourning as a time of isolation but God wants to use it as a place for us to build deep strong healthy godly relationships I say it, I've said it, you've heard me say it, but I'll say it, I'll continue to say it. The wealthiest people on this planet are not the ones with the most money. The wealthiest people on this planet are the ones with rich, deep relationships. Because rich, deep relationships are the ones that really help us and enjoy life and allow us to be satisfied in our souls with God, obviously. But oftentimes we look and we think wealthy people are people that have all this money. No, wealthy people are the ones that have rich, deep relationships. Why? Because in my time of mourning, money does nothing for me. Money can't comfort me. I could buy everything on this planet, but in a time of mourning, money doesn't do anything. But I do know this. In a time of mourning, I could be broke as a joke and someone could sit next to me and we can cry together because of a loss or because of something that's happened and my soul is comforted. Why? Because godly relationships are given to us by God to help us move on from the grieving mourning process to be comforted and grow and be the people he's called us. To be. This is why we do small groups. Small group plug. We don't do small groups just to give everybody something else to do. Like we don't have enough to do. I don't know about you, but we got plenty to do. We don't just, oh, you know what we should do? We should give people three more things to do during the week because they don't have anything going on all week long. No. We have small groups because we know the importance Of a time where maybe you're not walking through mourning right now. And oh my goodness, celebrate in those times. But we know at some point a bad day happens. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. And that's not who I'm trying to be. But I know that bad days happen. And so when we look around us. When our bad day hits. When our tragedy happens. We look around who's around us. If we've not built the relationships in the good times. We can't expect those to be there for us in the bad times. And so this is why we do small groups, not so we can just give somebody else to do, but so that we can grow together, that we can walk together. You're like, oh my goodness, well, it's another night, I'm so busy, or it's a morning and it's early. That's all good, I understand those things. But we have to understand the importance of building relationships together. Why? Because in our morning, that's what can comfort us. He uses it. I'd encourage you, join a small group. Whatever age range you want to join, whatever thing you want to do, if there's not one in there that you like, start one. Trust me, we'll let you. Because here's what I know. Blessed are those. An internal joy to those who mourn because they'll be comforted. How? Because we know God is near. We serve a God who is not far, who's not just sitting in heaven and just far. In fact, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, has ascended from heaven. And now he's here with us day in and day out. We don't just sing songs about the Holy Spirit because it sounds good. And we're like, ooh, no. We sing songs about the Holy Spirit because we know he is here on this planet. God on earth as a helper to walk with us through every time of our life. He's near. He comforts us because we know he delivers. And he comforts us because he brings godly relationships around us. Can I encourage you? Let us be a church that doesn't get stuck in the mourning process. And again, I'm all for mourning. I'm for, I'm for grieving. I understand it. But let's not get stuck in those, those those times. Let us get be a people that say, you know what, God, we want to move on. And we want you to begin to comfort us because we know as you comfort us, we'll become the people that you've called us to be. Amen. Can we pray today, Father? I thank-